0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. How much should I charge? That's a question that I hear all too often here at Entree Architect. How do you set a proper hourly billing rate as an entrepreneur architect working hard to build a profitable architecture firm? No one ever taught us how to do this. So we we try to match the market or we just flat out guess. Well, I have fantastic news for you. We've developed a brand new tool from Entree Architect. It's called the Entree Architect Hourly Billing Rate Calculator. Just read the simple questions, input the answers, and the calculator will do all the heavy lifting. The calculator will provide you with a proposed hourly billing rate, including your pay rate, a calculated amount for overhead, and your target net profit in seconds you'll know exactly how much you should be billing your next client download this valuable tool today for free at entrearchitect.com billing rate calculator that's entrearchitect.com billing rate calculator my name is mark arla page and you are listening to entre architect podcast where i speak with inspiring passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 262 and I'm with Evelyn Lee this week to discuss leveraging your skills as an architect beyond traditional practice. This episode of Entree Architect podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Gusto, Gusto is refreshingly easy payroll, benefits, and HR for the modern small business. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com and FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time. Doing the work you love, Evelyn Lee. Welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark.
1: Thanks for inviting me here. It's great to be a guest.
0: It's great to have you here. It's um, we've been talking about this for a long time. You and I have been uh, comparing notes, and, and we're on social media together all the time and, yes. and communicating. And uh, we've been talking about getting together and having this conversation for a long time. A long time. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, this, yeah, I'm glad this,
1: we could make it happen. First gonna, quarter
0: 2019. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So let me, let me introduce you. Uh, Evelyn Lee uh, received her bachelor of architecture degree with honors in 2002 from Drury University, where she minored in global studies while playing on the women's soccer team. So mm-hmm. think about that. <laughs> I want to just pause for a minute and explain what that architecture degree minored in global studies and played women's soccer. So you architects out there, you know what how hard that was in 2003 she received her master's of architecture degree at sci-arc and uh, most recently in 2012 evelyn finished her dual mpa which is a master's of public administration and an mba in sustainable management from presidio uh, graduate school and you may recognize her name if you're a fan of contract magazine she wrote uh, the monthly column over there about business for for three years more than three years so you probably Mm -hmm. may know her from there and you probably see her on social media. Uh, And Evelyn, she's received numerous industry awards, including the 2016 40 under 40 Award from Building Design and Construction magazine, and the 2014 AIA National uh, Young Architects Award. Uh, And she currently serves as director at large for the National Board of Directors over at the AIA. So yes, pretty accomplished, pretty busy woman doing a lot of things. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, So let's dive a little bit deeper. Let's let's learn a little bit more because that's a lot. I'd like to go back to where this all started. What inspired you to become an architect? What sort of encouraged you? And give us the story from that moment to where you find yourself today.
1: Oh wow. Um I'll try to keep this short. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I was one of those individuals and I know there's a lot of people out there that like knew from a very young age that they wanted to be an architect. So my I think it was my 4th grade teacher, we were talking about families and homes and, you know, that she asked everyone to draw um, a, a, draw their home essentially. And I started going at it in plan. Right when everyone else was started drawing an elevation, <laughs> so i um i i knew at that instance that I was thinking about things a little bit differently, and then I was hooked on picking up um you know all those all those magazines in the supermarket with old victorian homes where you could buy purchase the plans,
0: yeah
1: yeah you know and and but- and build them on spec but uh yeah, I, yeah and, then, and then I was hooked. And my you know, my dad was a, a great um, mentoring and mentor and making sure I get to an accredited degree program because I probably would not have known to have gone down that path. Uh, and and I, I did that. Uh, Drury, I would say, is a very technical school, and I was also really interested in 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 research and design and architecture, which led me to CIARC to kind of get the dual sides of education. I've also always had a, um, a side dream of wanting to, to teach architecture too. So I felt that I needed my master's to do that. Um, I I haven't added that to my resume yet, uh, teaching. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I did, I did the whole thing. I went and I got licensed and I got to the end of it and I was like, you know what? Um, I'm doing K through 12 modernizations. I'm working on community buildings and community centers and I am not, engaging with the end users as much as I would like, right? Um, these are buildings for the communities, and I'm rarely talking to the students, and I'm really rarely talking um, to the teachers because they're the ones not making decisions about how their buildings are being built. Um, and, and I decided my role needed to shift, and I didn't know exactly what that was. So at the time, I went to run... Um, what is now the one plus program at public architecture as their first program manager. Um, So that at the time it was, um, you know, before the great recession, architects were doing very well like they are now. And we're asking them to give 1% of their billable hours towards the public good pro bono. But then they were having problems finding nonprofit organizations that actually um, wanted to work with architects. And I found the most meaningful conversations to be on that side, trying to tell those organizations the value that design brings to the table, even if they don't have a new building in mind, you know, and what we can do to, um, from even a design perspective to help increase their funding. Uh, from there, I, I very quickly realized that I didn't speak their language. I think we learned a, a very specific architect-y architect, architect. Um, I mean, we have our own dictionary, right, as architects and our own vocabulary. And I felt that it was a good opportunity uh, to go back to school and get my MBA. Um, I ended up picking up my MPA because I, I made a specific decision to break from anything architecturally related at that time. I was heavily engaged in the AIA, and I just completely pulled back And a year later, I very quickly realized that I love the profession too much to get too far away. So the MPA was added on because it's um, public administration. Yes, it's about um, working. A lot of people pursue the MPA to work in nonprofit organizations and government, but it's really the softer side of um, and analyzing organizational structures. So I would say the MBA drives numbers and the MPA drives kind of the people decisions, right? It's the, it's the quality is quantifying those qualitative engagements. Um,
0: Was it difficult and, to sort of do them at the same time and sort of have those two?
1: No, you'll actually find that a lot of, um, a, a lot of MBA programs—it's—it's it's a crossover, right? So it was an extra year to pick up my MPA. So there's a lot of crossover in curriculum mm-hmm. between the two. Um, I think most people either decide to pursue one or the other, right? But there's just like such a huge crossover in in what we do as architects—you um, know, engaging and touching the community, as well as uh, from an MBA perspective. Like needing to understand how to very specifically quantify the value of the design that we bring to the table, and be able to talk to executive like CEOs and CFOs and COOs about what that means to them. Hmm. So that's so for me that was the reason to pursue the combo. Um, and then from there, and this is a very long story already.
0: That's okay. Uh, that's from- what this podcast is all about. So don't <laughs> worry. Just keep yeah, keep from, telling us the story.
1: Yeah, so from there um it, you know I graduated um kind of in in the middle of our last great re- recession and it was really about um it was not about finding the next it was finding it was about finding the next thing not about finding like the next thing that I was passionate about, right? right. Because yep. <laughs> so right. I had a I had accumulated a lot of student debt by that time. At that point. And I just I just needed to pay it back. And what I quickly discovered was, uh, you know, if you think about how hard it is to sell architectural services to people who don't understand what architects do, it's even harder to sell yourself as an architect trying to pursue a line of work in a different industry because they don't understand how our skills translate. Um which happens to be a, a blessing in disguise because I landed at a firm um, they would they they identify themselves as a as a, a, a des- an innovative firm the in built environment, very distinctly design thinking firm called MK think. and I helped grow their strategy group uh, and and it was a great place to be because I think when most architects, think about strategy, right? They think about the big firms and what they're doing with architectural strategy. They think about the HOKs and the Genslers and the Perkins and Wills. Um, and and the, the truth about MK I Think is it, it was a, what we could, would be considered a small to medium-sized firm, um, as small as 20 people, maybe even smaller while I was there, but we'll stick to 20. Um, our The strategy group was its primary source of of revenue and new client work and we I I joke about it but um, and I and I I joke with the partner about it but we decided not to put AIA after my name uh, as a designation on on the card because because the individuals that we were talking to and working with they they kind of have it set in their mind you know what architects earn and we were being compensated at a much higher rate Mm-hmm. And architects tend to get compensated at as strategic consultants. Um, and some of what we do bridges into managerial consulting from an operation standpoint. So, I, you know, it's usually later that they find out I have an, a background in architecture. Um, so what it, what
0: specifically did MK Think do? What, the, was it going in and sort of solving problems for organizations or was it more designing spaces and environments or or all of it?
1: Uh, so is all of it. So MK Think does have an architectural side. So we could we could we could um, implement that at any time in the process, but strategically it was helping organizations manage their capital assets um, in, in in a more meaningful way. And, and more specifically, taking all the data they had around their portfolio, their building portfolio and making smarter decisions about the money they have or understanding how much money they need to raise mm-hmm. um, to have a greater impact on their portfolio. So a lot of our, and so we did anything, we did a lot of work for a long time with Oakland Unified School District, helping them understand where to move students, where the administration buildings should be, what assets they actually need to get rid of, which you can actually, which, you know, it's probably a highly Was it's a very public thing to do, right? So it takes. It's helpful to have data to drive those decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, When you are, you know, looking at which schools need to be.
0: Yeah, there's (laughs) a lot of emotion. A lot of emotion. And
1: where students need to be reshuffled. Um, Ido created this great lunch program for the San Francisco Unified School District, Um, but one of my strategic. I would say the, my, one of my strategic um, partners, at MK Think, mm-hmm. Alan Donnelly, helped them imagine how to implement that. So essentially, where does the central kitchen need to be located mm-hmm. for SFUSD based on um, not not only delivery kind of delivery routes, but also the available the current um, kitchen equipment in all of the other schools? So how far would they have to park? Cook? In the primary kitchen before they deliver to those other schools and what you know then can what then what could the schools do to um needs to do at that point to actually deliver the meals and then we, he he went one further and looked at um you know a lot of students receive their only meals of the day through their school yeah Right. There's a lot of students and families in need. So what does it mean to SFUSD if they were to offer breakfast and lunch and not just just lunch? So um, and then I I did a we did a strategic master plan for the Sonoma County library system um, where we analyzed the users coming in and help them look at what type of programming they should be developing in each library, if you reposition the library as the heart of the community um, based on the demographics in each kind of the neighborhoods that the libraries live. Um, So what type of programming they should be developing. And, you know, in addition to that, how should they be utilizing their spaces? So in areas of Sonoma County where there's more retirees, you know, the, the space that you build for those individuals are going to be very different than those, the areas with a lot of influx of new, new younger families moving in, right? Right. So obviously bigger children's areas, um, versus kind of a dedicated to adult learning a dedicated center. And sort of the
0: reinvention of the library, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or it's, it's overall purpose in the community that it's not just a building for books. It's now, it's a, almost a community center.
1: Yeah. And a lot of what we do kind of back to my original comment is we are, we have, I have so much more engagement with the end users in the line of work that I was working on. you know, it's all about kind of, it's, it's all about like we, we bill out, you know, for a lot of hours just talking with individuals and, you know, hosting focus groups. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that for a, a couple of years Um and I was I was looking for a change out of MKThink, and I really struggled trying to figure out what was next because I was, I mean, the, the great thing about MKThink is they provided this model where strategy was a, a core, it was core to the revenue process. It was core to the firm. It was a, a strategic offering by the firm that was making the firm profitable. Um, and I would go and I would go and talk to other firms, even some very large firms who I will not name. To, you know, about how to reposition their strategy group as a, as a core offering or how to like make that its own individual revenue contribute contributor in, within the firm. And, and nobody, nobody wanted to take it on to the extent that MK think had done as a medium sized firm. Um, and, and by this time, the economy had kind of recovered and I think architects were back in the mindset where like, you know, I'm, I'm getting calls because I'm in that, I'm, uh, all the time by recruiters, right? Because I fall in that that very slim zone of a licensed architect, ten to fifteen years of experience. Right. Um, I come from what has now been identified as a missing generation of architects, and so I, I was getting calls from recruiters all the time for jobs that I I didn't want. I understood why they were calling me, and all the principals I was talking to at the time were just trying to hire for their pipeline, and and that's all they could think about. Um, so the idea of taking a risk is always very hard to talk to architects about, um, but also just starting something new um, was equally as hard. So I, I had a, a good friend of mine, Roy Abernathy, who I met through my AIA network and had worked with um, on, an, on and off through volunteer, uh, uh, volunteer committees, was looking for, for somebody to lead his West Coast, the West Coast team for workplace um and I saw it as an opportunity to you know grow and develop my own team and to really continue to do the sa- a similar type of strategic work that I've been doing now, but more um it's it's more uh with with big tech companies which um you know it, it, there's a lot of i think there's a lot of voice being given. To the tech companies, both good and bad, because of the influence that they have on our daily lives, right? And um, and just the money that they they are able to throw at creating new things. So so it's it's been really interesting to be immersed in their world and understanding how they operate and understanding what they need, um, you know, what and what are their biggest fears, you know, attracting and retaining individuals. Um, to their companies. so, so, from a workplace strategist, you know, kind of kind of that's what we do. i i I joke that twenty um, percent of what we do is actually physically physical space related, you know, program development, not dissimilar from what architects do, um, but a lot of where we tend to differentiate ourselves. And I hope this is true of um i, I, I it seems to be true that we. This is where we differentiate ourselves from other big corporations. I work for Newmark Knight Frank, which is a very big um, commercial real estate brokerage uh, in their consulting department, not dissimilar from JLL, CBR, and CBRE. So usually if you haven't heard of Newmark, you've heard of JLL or CBRE. So very, very
0: big uh, real estate developer. Yeah. A lot of corporate office buildings and that kind of thing.
1: Yes. Um, So from an organizational standpoint, we help um, we help our clients identify their space needs. But more specifically, our group looks at creating a better employee experience for our clients. So there's been this entire shift in the marketplace where even in um, even in. Uh, so the, the, the language, they don't call them HR anymore, right? It's gone from HR to employee excellence or employee experience, like head of EE or, um, head of, um, you know, it, it's, they've, and it, that shift came from the, the customer service world. So when customer, so when there was a, um, more SaaS technology being delivered, so software as a service for right. architects out there, um, there was this whole shift from, I think was with your like customer service to, to how you build a better customer experience. And then there's all these tech companies who are like, you know, we're building this extra, this, we're paying really close to customer experience, but in order to keep and retain our employees, we need to focus on the employee experience. So um, whether or not there's like an actual shift in what that, that means, there's, there's been a vocabulary shift, um, to a better employee experience. So what my team does, and this is a very, very long again, but so what my team does is looking at space and program, but, um, but for instance, uh, you know, and, and they ask, you know, how do you differentiate yourselves from architecture? And I said, well, architects will go through a programming process and they will hear that your organization wants to be more collaborative and they will design collaborative spot like pods throughout your space you know or or introduce more team rooms or project rooms to help facilitate that but building out this spaces don't inherently make an organization more collaborative so from an employee experience standpoint we look at you know your delivery and understand what departments need to be collaborating when to relieve the bottlenecks we help understand how to drive help organizations understand how to drive meetings so they're run in a co- more collaborative fashion, right? From like very task driven, top down meetings to um, meetings where furniture is not fixed and you can push things aside because there's going to be a lot of white storm uh, or whiteboard and brainstorming. Uh, and then we we train managers to to, to run more collaborative teams. Um, so same thing with this whole notion of um, going to remote work right It's one mm-hmm. thing to say um, we're going we're going to provide employees uh, a more flexible work day because everybody's doing it um, but we as, we essentially help organizations implement a successful remote working policy so a lot of a lot of even big tech firms um it's their remote policy is very ad hoc Mm -hmm. right it's on person-by-person basis which can actually get you into a lot of HR trouble (laughs) um so we help them structure a remote working program um we we drive the communications throughout the organization to so that people actually feel comfortable um utilizing the flex work program, but so also managers, manager, and we, then we train managers on how to manage and collaborate with remote teams, right? So so for all the managers that feel that if I don't see my people in their seats, that means they're not working. Right. Um, they have to change their line of thinking. But at the same time, the employees have to feel that they have the per- permission to be, to kind of, to have that uh, more flexible workday. As well, too. So so it's a very big culture shift. And I think it's a, you know, it's it's interesting because architects focus, especially, well, architects, I think, are always wanting to get the post-occupancy survey, or they're also, um, and maybe that's actually not the trend that I want to go to. So, I mean, the interesting thing is architects, I feel, end up designing for the C-suite, right, and for the vision of where the companies want to go to. Um, And then people get in there and they move into this amazing offices, right? And it makes office snapshots on Instagram and and you know all the works workplace magazines and even contract magazines. And then from an operational standpoint, in terms of how they teams actually work or how they were, you know, maybe they're t- changing to more agile agile uh, product de- um, product delivery method. It, the space doesn't work for them because all of the other work to change the culture right. has gone into it. Um, and then it falls back to the architect saying, why is the space designed this way? Um, but, but it's kind of the missing link. Like there, there needs to be the evolution in culture so that people know how to work into these great work in these spaces that you actually designed correctly for them. They were just never taught um, how to use them correctly. Right. right? So there's a
0: whole there's a whole level of design and thinking that has to happen before you get to the architecture there's a there's a people part of it and the psychology part of it and the and the the flow and efficiency part of it yeah how all these different things work and the cultural shifts that we're we're seeing culturally you know Mm -hmm. in our society things are shifting um and so all of that has to sort of be analyzed and figured out and designed before we ever get to the building so the building can now be designed in a way that complements and supports those other things
1: Right. And it's not to say like it can definitely um, not to dismantle a leader's vision. Like, right. It can it can absolutely come top down if that's the culture of the company. Um, But, you know, if 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 the architects are designing purely for the leadership's vision, um, the you know, there still needs to be a culture shift that happens. You know, what is the gap we say? So we we measure current state. We measure desired future state and we understand how large that gap is and what it's gonna take them to get from A to B. And then we help them with the implementation plan to get from A to B from a culture standpoint.
0: We'll be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors at Entree Architect. Gusto, RCAP, and FreshBooks. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations and old school payroll providers. They just don't get it. They aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. They're different. Modern technology does the heavy lifting. So it's easy for you to get things right. You no longer have to be a big company to get the great technology, those great benefits and the great service for your team to help support this show. The Entre Architect podcast. Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months, three months free. Once you run your first payroll, just go to entrearchitect.com slash Gusto and claim your free three months of payroll processing today. entrearchitect.com slash Gusto. For years, when I needed information on manufacturers products, I headed straight to Google. Then I sifted through the hundreds of results to find the one or two that might be the link to the product that I'm looking for. And more often than not, the link was not what I was seeking. It was outdated or didn't meet my requirements. So I went back to the search engine and started all over again. And this could take all afternoon to find the two or three products that I need. Does this sound familiar? I know you've done this. There is a better way. It's called RCAT arcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. Find what you're looking for in seconds, building product information, BIM, CAD, and custom specifications using their exclusive tool, SpecWizard. So make Arcat part of your efficient project workflow. Just type in entrearchitect.com slash arcat in the internet browser and add that to your favorites. Just click that little favorites button, make Arcat your favorites, and then visit Arcat for every project make it part of your workflow find what you need fast and make more money on every project entrearchitect.com slash arcat that's entrearchitect.com slash a-r-c-a-t freshbooks makes it simple to send invoices post your expenses automatically track your time for your whole team buy project and get organized with reports communication and notifications Getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice just seconds after starting their free trial. And the same goes for time tracking, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's fast and easy. And if you need help at any time, free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you ever have second thoughts, don't worry. On top of our free trial here for Andre Architect listeners you get a 30-day money-back guarantee so you don't ever have to worry about choosing fresh books. So give FreshBooks a try. Try it free for 30 days. Just visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing entrearchitect Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access your free, unlimited 30-day trial. Gusto, our caps and fresh books. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. How do you think, Evelyn, your training as an architect has sort of prepared you for the work that you're doing now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it, I, I, I totally, um, it, it's a lot of what we do as architects when, um, well, first of all, I think what architects do better than anyone else out there is their implementers, mm-hmm. right? Um, so implementers, in the sense that we build amazing one-off prototypes that stand the test of time, like in physical space, um, which is actually a lot. You know, man- management consulting groups typically leave plans behind and don't implement. So there, so there is this sense of I, I. Help you build something, and I'm going to help you uh, help you deliver it. Um, that I that I, architects bring to the table, and that under like in terms of that specific understanding, um, we are constantly bringing together all the necessary parties to to solve a problem, right? And I think as this becomes even more true as buildings and the technologies that go into buildings are getting more complex, right? Um, and the number of people that you need to bring together, even to do, uh, a home becomes more complex if you want to, you know, make it zero, you know, zero net energy Mm -hmm. and completely off the grid. So I think, um, we are constantly bringing together a lot of consultants to work through a problem and get things done. And I, I do that every day. Um, whether it's bringing together the leadership team and helping drive consensus, um, but kind of elevating people in their specialty to help drive to a common goal, I think, is, is I, I accredit that to my architectural learning. And then just kind of th- the whole three dimensional problem solving and looking at problems from from a variety of answers. I think it's, it's interesting because while architects, well, the, the, the practice of architecture has remained relatively unchanged. Um we we are we're very quick to pivot when it come when we see a design flaw, right? Um, and it, and and that I think is that like we can we can be we're okay with that we're we're comfortable with with getting through a design and understanding where it needs to to change in, in, through middle of the process to um, to make the outcome better. Um, and I think that that sensibility also really helps kind of from a strategic standpoint um you know I get thrown data different data than we thought um all the time you know, and how you know, you know architects how how do you make changes on the site you know you you're doing a historical building and you have this unusual discovery like what changes do you need to make in the design to to make sure it still happens so yeah. those those type of applications vary much kind of still directly affect what i what i do from a from a consulting standpoint
0: yeah in in terms of you know the the practice of architecture the 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 wider vision of the profession that we have um you know architects are are very focused well i think our society has a definition of what architects are and what they do and i think architects traditionally have had an idea of what we do and how we do it um and i think that our culture is 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 shifting, our society is, is, society is shifting, the way we live, the way we work. When you look at all of those things, because of the technology that we have to, uh, access to today, everything is changing. And yes. I think that the profession is going to have to change as well. And I know, from experience, having been in this profession for a long time now, and very involved in in the practice of architecture and, and, and how architects work, that architects are typically slow to make those changes to to address um uh the in terms of uh, uh the way we practice architecture right when i first started with with the internet in the mm-hmm. in, in the 90s the late 90s um <laughs> i built one of the first websites in my county for an architect i know this because i went to the to the chapter meetings and said hey you need to have a website and they'd be like what do i need a website for i don't need a <laughs> website you know and so i was on the cutting edge quote unquote you know right. and i was probably five to eight years behind everybody else who, you know, in the rest of the world um, with, with architecture, uh, with, with technology. And I, so I think architects get there, but they take yes. a long time to get there. And that's not, a, that's not a criticism. It's just who we are as people mm-hmm. and it's the type of people we are. Um, but it's, but things are shifting and the practice of architecture is shifting. And I think right. the the definition of architecture is broadening uh, because of our, our, the opportunities that we have with technology and the way uh, the the way we think and the way that you just described and, and the skills that you have as an architect to bring to this other um, this other realm, I think we have a tremendous opportunity here as architects uh, to execute on some of these things that are not necessarily part of that originally definition of architecture. Yes, which is love which to is te- more
1: architects do the type of strategy work that I'm doing even right. So yeah, yeah. and, and Sorry. I,
0: think, I think even this the the what we define as architects now is completely different than it was 100 years ago or 200 right. years ago or 500 years ago we were still architects but we were very different and today yeah. we're very different and so and we will evolve and in the future we'll be very different and so as as someone who sort of is exploring this and you and I know this is a, an interest of yours and you're actually building some platforms to to address some of these things what is your thought in terms of the future of architecture and where we should go and how we should be, be thinking of some of these things?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, my biggest criticism of, of architects that just having served on the AIA and seeing um which is a volunteer leadership organization right so as, as with any volunteer leadership organization um leadership seems that leadership turns on turns over um on a on a very regular basis right especially at the local component so so i' it's been interesting because even even if people consider me on the younger side of things although i wouldn't um i'm technically not a- mo- millennial as defined by the year groups um <laughs> I've been around long enough to see architects kind of rehash very rehash the things that they hash. <laughs> they were trying to work out about our profession, um, 10 years ago. And I've been a lot enough to hear, uh, hear everyone talk about how architects, how what we do continues to be eroded, right. By right. the contractors, right. by real estate, um, individuals, by developers, um, and, and I, and especially after getting my MBA and I was like, I, I kind of, um, you know, felt that it needs to be turned on its head and it's like, and started asking, well, what are we going to do about it? Exactly. Right? We, we, <laughs> we tend to complain about it a lot. Yeah.
0: That's um, true. That is happening. The profession is eroding, uh, as right. it was traditionally defined. Um, so right. are we just going to sit here and let it erode and, and let it be mm-hmm. taken away and then we sit here with nothing or are we going to look at the possibilities, look at the skills that we have, and broaden the definition of what we do.
1: Yeah. Um, So I see this as a great opportunity. But I've also, you know, been known to say on numerous occasions and numerous different very public forums, um, that architects are three recessions away from being extinct, if we continue down this path. And, you know, whether we truly are three years away from being extinct, I think it's a I think it's a good starting point to have a to begin that conversation of what needs to, needs to change. Right. So,
0: yeah. So you, you've launched a, a site called practice of com, mm-hmm. which yes. I'm, I'm amazed you have that domain because it's probably a domain that's very difficult to get. <laughs> so I'm sure you got that a long time ago. Yeah, I um, think,
1: I think I got that. I think I got it at least 10 years ago. Yeah, I was thinking ahead way back.
0: <laughs> yeah. So practiceofarchitecture.com. So what is practiceofarchitecture.com and and how is it being used or what how do you want it to be used? Uh
1: yeah, so it was uh, when it was first started um, I, I, and it's actually recently gone through a revamp, but when it was first started it was it was highlighting architects doing interesting things at the edge of practice, right? Mm-hmm. So highlighting the ones that were really pushing the boundaries. Right. And and that was kind of that was kind of established, you know, just as I was coming out of my MBA program and, and finding my own footing and and getting inspiration from other individuals. And what I have discovered since then is, you know, you and I are not alone in our thinking. I think there is definitely a group out there that believes that the practice needs to evolve but but they don't necessarily know how right right um and you you know you you i think we we've kind of had this conversation before you know whenever i'm talking to a group of architects and you ask them a question about um you know what what advice would you give to someone looking to pursue a degree in architecture it's the 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 responses are all very singular and it's all around what we would define as traditional practice, right? You know, that goes to, you know, not to say that students shouldn't be going to construction sites to understand how things go together, but I would like students to understand that that's not the only application of your architectural degree. Um, you know, I, on the flip side architects and even business, um, you know, very smart business people are, you know, looking at design thinking as a way of um, bringing innovation into organizations and companies. And I, you know, we do tend to tell people and I've had people tell me, oh, you have an architecture degree and a business degree. The world must be opening up for you. You can do so many different things. Um, but we, we never really talk about that value. Um, and then what you can do, um, with with that architecture background, and it's it's about expanding beyond traditional practice. So the evolution of the practice of architecture um, is to continue to curate those individuals that are pushing the boundaries, but to use my experience now, having having worked uh, for nearly a decade after getting my MBA to talk to architects about how you actually make that change and that evolution. Um, so I've been working on a tagline for this. So don't hold me to it. But right now,
0: <laughs> it's an, uh, an, exclusive. The yes, Entree Architect an exclusive. podcast.
1: like I think I literally typed it up this morning because I was like, I have to get this <laughs> down before I talk to Mark. Uh, the practice of architecture helps individuals and firms identify opportunities for leadership and growth in order to have careers and practices that continue to prosper in a changing world. I like so that. That's the working definition. So, in addition to uh, publishing my own articles on how, um, we're going to begin rolling up out courses in three different verticals, um, and you'll you'll find that it's very circular. So it's um, so for the individual uh, leadership and professional development for for architects. So this is this is for I would say the entire life cycle of an architect. It's for It's for architects who, um, you know, are like, gee, how can I go into consulting, right? And do something different. It's for students coming out of school that, you know, have learned really interesting things on, you know, data in the built environment. And they want to understand how can I how can I take exactly what I've been doing in school and translate that in
0: the real world? Right. So so basically taking your architecture degree your and, and p- potentially this the, the, the edu- um, your experience as an architect for somebody who's already been out of the architecture school um, and and leveraging that to do something either else or something that's within architecture but beyond that traditional uh, definition I have, an, I have right. an idea of something that I want to do but I don't know how to do it Right. That's somebody who would take that that course.
1: Yeah. So how can you, so it's, you know, it's just broadening the conversation of what do I take? How do I identify what I enjoy doing? Identify what I'm really good at. Identify where I want to grow. And, you know, is there somebody that can help me figure out now that I know all these things, is my path in a small firm? Is it in a large firm? Is it going off on my own? Is it going in you know, in-house to a Google, uh, to work on their real estate and facilities team? Mm -hmm. Is it doing more strategic work like Evelyn is doing, but helping them kind of look at those three things from somebody who has a shared background as an architect and, and figure out what's the next step that they
0: want to take. You should, you should title it how to work for Google. (laughs) 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 so what's the second what's the second uh, vertical uh
1: yeah okay so the second vertical is um what i'm calling um again all working titles um uh uh, like uh, developing knowledge expertise and storytelling so it's
0: um who's that for Go ahead. Who would th- who's that for? What's what? Who would want to uh, take so that So,
1: developing one? knowledge expertise in storytelling. There, I would say they're really for individuals that have kind of figured out figured out what their own voice is, and they want to position themselves as a knowledge expert, position themselves or their firms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think storytelling is really for. For business development directors, for marketing people, um for the sole practitioner that is looking to compete against the bigger firms, but how do you tell meaningful stories that resonate with your clients and go beyond pretty pictures? because what architects deliver is is an entire service um, and we don't we don't often think uh, talk very well um about. About the entire story of what it takes to really work with an architect's and how that drives meaningful outcomes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think story is something that uh, is, is something that could take the profession to a to a bigger place, but definitely right. individual architects um, telling the story of what they do and how they do it and how it affects someone else uh, mm-hmm. is so important.
1: Yeah, and then the third vertical is actually helping. Um, most often small and, and medium firms, but um, working with large firms as well, uh, to, to identify areas that they can innovate um, and actually change their business model mm-hmm. in their firm to create new lines of um, revenue to 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 be prosperous, especially when the next downturn happens, and then that will go that loops back to mm-hmm. kind of the leadership and individual development because if you change what you're delivering um, and you change how you're delivering it, then what type of leadership training do you need your future leaders of your firm to be having right. Um, right. to make that new successful or that new model successful?
0: Yeah, that's exciting. It's exciting to. Uh... To, for one, I love that you're dedicating a platform to this because this is something that I've talked about for a long time, and I can't right. focus exclusively on that because we're sort of a broader uh, yes. focus of business, but I, it's a passion of mine that, that there's, there's more to architecture and there's more to architects than the traditional firm. And I love the traditional firm. It's not, I'm not saying that's dying or that that should go away. <laughs> I just think that there's a bigger opportunity for us. And right. And and, you know, both in terms of of uh, practice, but also influence influence and and yeah, financially, absolutely. there's a bigger opportunity for us that we're missing as architects. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that to have a place like the practice of Ar- or practice of architecture dot com um, will be great that we'll be able to sort of go there and and, and contribute. To the, the conversation that's happening there, learn from yes. what you're, you're uh, that you're presenting there. Learn from other case studies and say, hey, look at what that person did. That's similar to what I want to do. Um, how do I get there too? And so mm-hmm. it'll be really exciting to to watch that evolve and and uh, and be, become a integral part of our profession.
1: Yeah, and I just, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at launching our first course, which is going to be. Um, Creating or recreating your career in architecture in the middle of March, and I'd love to work with you on you know a discount for your listeners.
0: okay, so great so yeah when, so when, that that, when you're ready to launch that, let me know, and we'll definitely uh, share that with the community. yeah, that would be great. so if there's are there other ways that the community can reach out to you and either you know participate or or learn more about what you're doing? Uh, become part of the platform of what you're we're doing over Practice of Architecture.
1: Oh yeah, so there's um so there's a newsletter and there's unique content in the newsletter that's going out every week. So feel free to subscribe. Uh, there's a contact us, which is really contact me page on Practice of Architecture, um, which reaches out to me directly, or you can write Evelyn at practiceofarchitecture.com. Um, you know, in addition to these courses we are going, I, I hope to eventually move to actually consult with, with firms to, um, for individuals that are looking for more direct, um, support in developing, especially new innovative lines of business practice. Uh, and I think, um, and this is an aside, and it might be too big to talk about now, but um, two two years ago, I co-chair I, I chaired the Practice of Innovation Lab put on by the American Institute of Architects. And at a nineteen, the National Conference, uh, we are hosting the Practice Innovation Lab too. We're going where we're going to give teams an opportunity to get in front of real VC individuals and kind of pitch new concepts to them that's at this conference coming up in june? that's at this conference coming up on june it's going to be a all-day event that's held during saturday um you would just have to pick up if you just want to attend that um you would just have to pick up a day pass for saturday but if you are already paying for the entire conference registration then you just can drop in to some of the sessions we're having
0: on saturday So, they as could, well. where can people find more information on that
1: uh, that is the the national website. Okay. Um, I hesitate to send them there now because I don't think the full description of the
0: Practice Innovation Lab is up okay. yet. So definitely making... if you're interested, go look, look for it. We just had Christian Jordan on talking about JAM, who was yeah. one of the winners. They, of... Were the,
1: they were the people's choice from yeah. the, pra- the original Practice Innovation right.
0: Lab. And so we just talked to Christian about JAM and the progress mm-hmm. that he's having with, with JAM. And so uh, people are familiar with that. So if you're interested in sort of going to the next one or or participating – uh, just go to the national AIA site aia.org and go look for information there
1: yeah look for practice of innovation sessions happening on Saturday um, we are we just sent them um, uh, uh, we just sent them new descriptors uh, more in-depth kind of descriptors of what each of those sessions are going to be but the first session is going to be a panel of VC people that are specifically looking at funding technologies within the built environment uh the second panel is going to be individuals who have run um companies and uh and have been successfully funded by VCs so um people that have been on the receiving end of funding um and what that's like and then the um the there will be a call for entry for teams that want to participate throughout, with us throughout the day. Um, but the third presentation will be a Shark like shark Tank-like opportunity for those teams to then pitch our first panelists of VC individuals. We're, of course, not promising any funds being given away, but I think it's just <laughs> an opportunity for architects to get it in front of a different audience than they usually see at a conference.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's exciting. And I know where I'm going to be on Saturday. <laughs> Cause that's, that, that sounds like something I'd be very interested in, in watching happen. So, uh, I'll Well, be you there. can
1: even, you know, there'll be an application for, for teams too. If you want to throw on your mix.
0: Maybe, maybe <laughs> I, I have a lot going on at that conference. Yes, so I, I'm, I'm afraid to commit to more, but I definitely will show up and watch. Um, this has been really, that's exciting to hear that that's happening again. So, uh, I hope there are some listeners who are interested in that and will uh, we participate in some of those things. And, and when you have more solid information about it, send it to me and I'll post it on the Facebook group. And um, that great. people can find it there as well. And we'll post it on the show notes for this episode too. This is episode yeah. 262 for anybody who wants to go there. It should be there now, um, because by the time this gets released, we'll have that information and it'll go on the show notes. Um, Evelyn, before we wrap up, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everyone. Uh, what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today? to build a better business for tomorrow. Uh,
1: I, I'm going to go back to the whole storytelling thing that we just kind of covered yeah, our, yeah. at the end of the conversation. I think it's, it's share meaningful stories, right? Um, I think architects do need to be diligent about capturing their finished product um, products um, with professionals, right? But um, it's just as important to tell about the story about how it got there, right? Because people... And they pay for your services. They're not only um, paying for the end product, but they're paying for, they're paying to build a a relationship with you. Right. Right. So you need to tell them about what that relationship is going to look like. Yeah. So they, they know that like, that's the person that I I absolutely, they, they understand me the most and they're going to get, they're going to get me and we're going to be a good partner
0: in this project. Yeah. That's so important. HGTV is already telling your story. <laughs> and so, and it's not the story you want told. No. And so the only way that that story is going to be rewritten is if we each individually tell that story of what architects are and what we do. Right. And, so, and I
1: think, I mean, that gets as simple as modifying your about page right on your website um, or the marketing material that you go out, like take one of your, take one of your, um, miss favorite clients and kind of talk about what you know about your client. Don't talk about yourself. Talk about what you learned from your client going through that process and, and why building that building for them was so meaningful because
0: of what you learned about them. Yeah. Great advice. So practiceofarchitecture.com If you want to learn more about practice of architecture.com um, and Evelyn Lee, if you want to learn more about Evelyn or sort of the rest of what she's doing, cause she's doing a lot. EvelynLee.com. It's E-V-E-L-Y-N Lee.com. Um, and all all over social media. You can just go to EvelynLee.com and you can find all the social media links to to all of that. Evelyn, this yeah. has been a really great conversation. I, I'm always inspired when I talk to you. I get motivated. Um, and so thanks for coming by here. Well, yeah, likewise.
1: <laughs> so thank you, Mark.
0: Yeah, you're so, welcome. Great. We'll do it. We'll do it again soon. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks. So that was episode 262 with Evelyn Lee. If you want to share that episode, the link is slash episode 262. I request that you do share that link with a friend. That's the way we grow around here. That's the way this podcast is getting out to the world. And I thank you for doing that. The link is entrearchitect.com slash episode 262. Go right now and download our f- newest free tool. It's free the Entree Architect Billing Rate Calculator and quickly calculate a billing rate that includes your pay rate, your overhead, and your profit. Stop guessing how much to charge and start earning what you're worth. Download the Entree Architect Billing Rate Calculator for free right now at EntreeArchitect.com slash billing rate calculator. Download it for free, EntreeArchitect.com slash billing rate calculator. If you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you are an entree architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening. and Have a great week.